Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that this spring will offer special volunteer vacations designed for visitors to spend a day doing stewardship projects and another heading out on a wild Tillamook Coast adventure. It's free and a way to have fun and give back, and we'll have more details just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department invites Oregonians to explore parks during winter and spring to experience the beauty of those seasons. If you're camping, remember to buy firewood from the park or a nearby community to avoid bringing invasive species, such as the devastating emerald ash borer, into parks. Learn more about protecting Oregon's ash trees at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we're heading to the Oregon coast to go snowboarding. Yes, really, we are celebrating the recent cold and snowy weather by talking to a guy who took advantage of the snowy weather to shred the coastal dunes on his snowboard. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. Well, today I'm joined by a friend of the podcast who's returning for a second time and ready to tell us about a truly unique experience, snowboarding the dunes of the Oregon coast. Now, we've been having some pretty wild weather across the state over the past week with snowfall delaying and shutting down Willamette Valley schools while basically turning Portland's roads into chaos zones. Yet even more rare has been the substantial accumulation of snow on the Oregon coast a few days. But that coastal snow was music to the ears of Eric Davis, who lives outside Pacific City and has been watching the weather closely for opportunities to take out his snowboard and ride the dunes above the ocean. Eric is the owner and operator of the Instagram page, Oregon Coast Agates, and he joins me once again today. Eric, how's it going? Oh, doing really good, Zach. Thanks for having me today. Okay, so the first question, what made you think that snowboarding on the beach or I guess above the beach was a possibility? Like, had you seen other people do it? Or, I mean, I just can't remember ever seeing or hearing about it. So, so where did you get the, the idea? Yeah, you know, um, it honestly comes from my just background in snowboarding in general and the lack of accessible snowboarding opportunities uh, in proximity to the coast in general. Um, so it's just been something I've like always kind of joked about. And, you know, if this is the snowboarder inside me says, man, if it ever snows here, it's going to be really cool. And, uh, <laughs> so, you know, so we were just kind of looking for that, you know, that little window of opportunity. And this is actually my second time uh, snowboarding at the coast. Yeah. And that's, that's gotta be nice. Cause you, you talked about having come from Montana where obviously you can snowboard all the time and, you know, you know, the closest mountain range that you live to is the coast range. And there, there's definitely no, no ski areas in there. I guess they get a little bit more snow, but I mean, you have to go a long way, uh, to, to get your, get your turns in at this point. I mean, what is it? Five, six hours to like Mount hood. Is that the, the closest you got? 
Yeah, totally. If if um if if and we we've been we've been to Mount Hood before. I think it's you know around a five hour road trip uh, from out from out this way. While that's much more exciting, you know, and and you get a full day's worth of of, of riding at that point, but. You know, to, to us here, we, we have one or two peaks within the coast range that have a little bit of elevation to, to provide snow up top. And some of that stuff can get pretty deep. So us being even a little familiar with backcountry snowboarding, um, that kind of opened the, opened the door for us in terms of what can we do out here that's um, practical for just practice runs or teaching my daughter how to snowboard and just trying to keep her trained and keep her skills sharp for the casual snowboarding. Do you actually get, do you ever head up into the coast range and, and get some turns in or get some snowboarding in like on the higher yeah. coast range peaks? Uh, we do, yeah. Um, yeah, so I have I have been to Mary's Peak um, in the winter. I just, without a snowboard. Um, but that has put that idea in my head because I have seen people going up there to tube and sled and stuff like that. So closer to where we live, we have one peak called Mount Hebo. It's only 15, 20 minutes away. And um, up top there, they, they can get feet of snow. We end up uh, oftentimes snowboarding right down forest roads. Oh, fun. <laughs> forest, ro forest roads, which are covered in feet of snow. You know, so it's creating the trail. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, sometimes it's what you got to do to get get that uh <laughs> get that snowboarding fix well you do what you gotta do when uh when you live out <laughs> on the coast now no i mean do you watch the weather closely because i know you know it sounds like you you really look for these opportunities so i mean do you look got your weather app set up and the national weather service and so are you like kind of thinking about when it might happen and ready to go yeah uh you know a little bit We're, we uh we often um obviously we we always are are familiar with the tides the storms we do watch, and it's just a it's it's a rare occurrence when the temperature is below freezing, and also you know rain is in that forecast. So that is obviously a recipe for for snow, but it just it's so rare because the the coastal temperature is is so moderate, and uh, you know we take advantage of it and uh, you know just get the gear get the gear uh, lightly ready, and sometimes it works. So in the so when the conditions are setting up, you start start getting itchy and getting ready. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I mean, Oregon has Western Oregon is such an interesting you know forecast zone. The way that that you have that combination of the marine air that kind of tends to warm things up a little bit, but then you'll have the Arctic air coming down, and you never know exactly how it's going to come together. It's one of the reasons it's so hard to forecast snow, even in the Willamette Valley, to say nothing of the coast where it's even harder. But, you know, sometimes it all comes together, the, you know, the stars all align and it did last week. So tell me about that big snow day. Like, did you see that coming or was it something you woke up to or take me through that day? Yeah, uh, night before it was, there was no snow on the ground whatsoever. Um, it was just approaching that temperature, that freezing point. I think um, next morning, like I said, I woke up, woke up early before the sunrise and I just looked out my window and I saw inches of, of snow and I just got excited. I, I literally, I ran in um, my daughter's room to uh, let her know because she did not have school that day. Her, her school had closed school, obviously. And um, I ran in there, I woke her up. She was thrilled. 
And uh, we just got our gear ready and we're like, we are going to Cape Kiwanda right now. <laughs> and um, we, uh, we, we packed up the whole family, my, my wife and daughter, and, and we just uh, took a quick little jaunt over there because it's you know, practically in our uh, neighborhood and um, hiked up. We were the first ones up there and got some amazing first tracks. Yeah, I mean, how um, do you know what the elevation there is at the top of the Great Dude? Like, is it like a couple hundred feet above the ocean? Or, I mean, was there noticeably more snow up there too? Like, just because it was a little higher? <laughs> yeah, the um, the the Great Dune has uh, uh, the Great Dune has an elevation of uh, two hundred and forty feet above sea level. Okay, and um, so again, not a you know huge hill, but. <laughs> it's it's something to work with and and uh it's 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 uh we've um it's something to work with and you know it's just uh it's just a really cool natural feature that we have been to many times prior uh for just just general recreation and hiking and we've even done sandboarding there so that probably planted that seed in my in my head in terms of snowboarding down it if the if the uh, opportunity ever comes around. Okay. Well, so how much snow was actually up there? Like if you had to measure it, was it a few inches? Was it up to like six inches? How much snow are we actually talking about up there? Oh yeah. It was, it was easily, uh, easily between four and six inches of, of fresh snow. And, and, uh, a lot of it is, uh, it's a very windswept area, um, with, you know, being, being, uh, right there on the coast. So some areas it was a little thinner, some areas a little heavier, and uh but that's also what makes it so cool it's kind of like nature's little terrain park in a mm -hmm. in a sense too yeah so you're up there and you know it's kind of you're, you've got snow around you you got some snow on the ground you got your snowboard so do you guys just like strap in and like start riding down and then climbing back up or what was it what was it like actually riding up there Oh, it was really cool, you know, and and I've been there uh the first time I went there it was just a dusting of snow um, so I just want to say an inch or two, and uh, I knew snowboarding would be possible because all you're looking for is just that tr that right traction. So I I'd known it was possible. So anything greater than that, which there was this time, I knew it was just gonna be more fun. And we uh, we pretty much arrived uh, via McPhillips Beach, which is the the beach to the north of uh, Cape Kiwanda, and uh, that's a beach that you're able to drive on. Um, so we uh, brought my 4x4 and just drove down the beach right to the uh, north side of the dune. And, um, you know, the whole family got out and uh, we all just pretty much started walking up the dune together and got to the top, checked out both sides. And uh, we could see a, another storm uh, surge approaching in the distance. Um, so we knew it was only going to be a matter of time before there was possibly more snow happening. So we, we did get in our first run and, and uh, headed down. And before we knew it, we were, you know, at the top of the dune in a blizzard. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we kind of packed it up a little bit at that point um, and went back to the truck, got warmed up, uh, got re-energized. And that storm kind of subsided a little bit. And uh, we went back out for a couple more runs. And... Um, no, it was really cool. We we had a, a lot of folks that were snapping photos of us and just kind of in awe of the whole situation too, because it was 
a lot, like I said, a lot of people go there just for hiking and, and, and for photography purposes in general. So to see people, uh, to see people snowboarding, I think is such a cool, um, I just think that's such a cool kind of new sport to be able to showcase at that place because it's known for so many other sports like surfing and, and, uh, wind sailing and, um, you know, so many other great, great recreational opportunities there. So it's cool to kind of add snowboarding to that list. All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we get back, Eric is going to talk about what it's like to snowboard down the dune and have your board touch the ocean. So stay with us. I'm Sarah Melton with the American Forest Resource Council. I love the outdoors and exploring the forests near my hometown. My job is to protect our forests and wildlife. I work to defend forest management projects in the courtroom and to support the workers and agencies who steward our forests and public lands. Good forest management based on the best science keeps our forests healthy, improves wildlife habitat, keeps our air and water clean, and gives us the sustainable timber we need for renewable and climate-friendly wood products. AFRC is proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Learn more about us at amforest.org. This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. Beginning in the spring of 2023, the Tillamook Coast Visitors Association is excited to announce a volunteer vacation program that will bring groups from inside or outside Tillamook County to lend a hand in stewardship programs while also having a good time. One example of an itinerary would be spending one day clearing invasive brush or working on a hiking trail while the next day could include a guided hike or kayak trip, the type of activity that highlights the Tillamook area and shows why doing stewardship projects is so important. All meals and transportation are included for the groups that take part, which will ideally be between 8 and 12 people. The experience is free for those who take part. The program is designed to offer participants the opportunity to give back to our popular area while also learning the vital role stewardship plays in preserving our natural places. The program website will launch in March, so stay tuned for that. But if you want more information or to sign up early, contact Dan Hag, and you can reach him at dan at tillamookcoast, all one word, dot com. Okay, well, tell me about this snowboarding specifically. Like, you know, were you were you carving down the various sides of the dune and like picking out different lines and stuff, and like, you know, just carving back and forth? Were you catching some jumps? Like, what? Like, like, take me through like an actual run down it. Like, can you compare it to anything? Yeah. You know, it's um, <clears throat> we had a lot of fun. We uh, did a couple little, just little uh, bunny hill style runs with my daughter and. And, um, I definitely did a few that were, you know, just all the way from the top, all the way right to the, right to the waves, kissing my snowboard at the, uh, at the bottom of the, of the dune. So it was, it was pretty spectacular and, and surreal, you know, to, to experience that. And it was really fun to just actually have enough snow 
to get some really good carving and and uh you know little little baby jump or little little jumps and stuff like that too and nothing terribly crazy but you know like i said that's not the uh not the whole point is is just more of the novelty mm-hmm. and uh well you mentioned uh, and you mentioned in the um you know when we were talking about this previously that it reminded you a little bit of backcountry uh snowboarding and in in what sense in that like you know there's no like chairlift to bring you up to the top and you got to kind of pick your own lines and stuff so it's a little wide open uh i can it's funny because i could compare it to backcountry in that sense where you know you're hiking up and and uh it's exhausting and we've all been there <laughs> so i mean you're you're hiking up sand which you know every every step you take you're sinking in and uh this is you know sand with snow on top so it's just it's it's just like you know deep uh deep powder in the back country but also it's kind of comparable to uh urban snowboarding in, in in a sense too because uh they're not very big hills or they're not very big lines all the time so you can kind of set yourself up and pick a little area and you could absolutely set up a jump or a little, you know, special area just to snowboard and take photos and and stuff like that too. It's pretty pretty uh, unique experience. Yeah, and I have to imagine just the the sound of like the ocean crashing behind you must have been a, a really strange experience. So I mean, in the back of your mind, like, were were you able to sort of rectify those two things where you're like, all right, I'm snowboarding, which is kind of like a mountain thing, but I can hear and see <laughs> the ocean at the same time. Yeah, that's the coolest part. You know, the the best part is just when you're up top and it's it's majestic because you have the entire Pacific Ocean right right there, and um, you know it's it's cool because you can see the storm coming at you and you can see all the little town nearby. You can see Pacific City there and little beach beachgoers, and then you know you click up those bindings and just dive in <laughs> and it's just so surreal, man. You, <laughs> It's such a cool experience. Well, how long were you able to actually out there and be riding? Was it like a full day thing? Did the snow start to melt and like degrade on you? Or like how long were you able to kind of catch it at its best? Um, yeah, so uh, first time, uh, I'll say first time I went there when it was, was more, of a, more of a dusting kind of snow day. Um, that felt more like a race against the sun. And I was there at sunrise and I've, felt that it was almost just a matter of time before the sun was going to melt it away by midday. Mm-hmm. Um, this this uh, situation, there were several inches and there was no sun whatsoever in the forecast. And it was just uh, became evident that it was going to last through the weekend and it, and it did. So, I mean, this this particular time, it, it, it lasted all the way through the weekend and it's only now just starting to melt down. Okay. Gotcha. Now you, I, you mentioned that you, uh, that you do sandboarding, uh, out on the coast. I mean, and that's obviously, you know, based on, on snowboarding. So how are, are they pretty similar, pretty different? Um, I, I mean, is there much contrast or comparison there? Yeah. You know, so, um, in, in my experience, a lot of people, a lot of people say, uh, sandboarding is similar to snowboarding, but it's also similar to, uh, sur- the, the sensation of surfing as well, or the balance that it takes for, for surfing, um, because you're not so much relying on your bindings and you're not relying so much on your board's edges as mm. you are just trying to manipulate the balance of the board to make it down. But in, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I feel like the sandboarding has, has uh, aided in 
um, you know, your, your core, core strength and your, your technique and your balance. So yeah, in a lot of ways, it's very, very similar. Um, it's just, you, you quickly learn that you cannot rely on those, on the bindings because the bindings are, are what's, uh, articulating the edges of your snowboard. And that doesn't exist on the sandboard. Well, I should mention, we are going to plan a, a, a fuller podcast on sandboarding coming up this spring. Cause I got a chance to do that with my kids and it was a lot of fun, but jumping back to snowboarding real quick. I mean, do you see this as is, is the snowboarding side of it? Is it kind of a lark if you live on the coast or is it worth being prepared for? Like, how would you, how would you look at it if you're like a, a coastie and you're thinking about this and hearing about what you did? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, I, w- I would definitely say if, if you are, living on the coast or in the proximity of it, and you foresee a snowstorm approaching or, you know, oftentimes, especially with this one, we kind of had a little bit of warning just from our, our news and, and our weather channels and stuff, just, just seeing that it was going to be cold enough to, to freeze and to snow. If you, if you feel that you're within proximity, by all means, uh, plan on it. And I, I often say follow social media channels because they tend to uh, post daily photos of conditions. So you can, you can catch a glimpse of what a certain beach might look like um, without, you know, without uh, you know, having access to certain news or weather channels. So it's, a, it's kind of a uh, side door you know, to, to catching a glimpse into what the current conditions are like. Well, what else should people know about snowboarding? And you know what? I'm curious. What has been the the response? You know, you've you've definitely you know we had a story about you. It's definitely uh, spread around. So what's what's been the response? I mean, is, are people just kind of blown away and like, whoa, I didn't know you could do that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's been really fun, and and um, I'm I'm just kind of happy to be able to take take one of my favorite sports and and uh, just showcase it in my tiny little way. I was. Uh, even more thrilled when uh, we walked into school today with my daughter and before she even got to tell any kids that she got that she went snowboarding over the weekend and you know we made it into a newspaper and stuff they the the school staff already knew about it they had already seen the posts and the uh, <laughs> newspapers so it was pretty surreal to just walk into school and have everybody kind of like oh my god I saw you at I saw you out there and your daughter is uh she's five years old correct (laughs) yeah yeah she's a little five-year-old and and uh (laughs) she's amazing my my daughter i i put her on we uh my wife and i we we put her into a snowboard when she was two years old and um haven't looked back since All right. Well, once again, I've been talking to Eric Davis. He is the owner and operator of the Instagram page, Oregon Coast Agates. We actually did a full podcast where we talked about nothing but agates and where to find them and stuff like that. So you can go back and listen to that one if you're able. But Eric, thanks so much for just taking a a quick little time out of your day to chat about this unusual, but what sounds like a really fun adventure out on the coast. So thanks, man. Yes, absolutely. No, it was uh, my pleasure. And, you know, thank you for collaborating with me. All right, well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. 
We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforests.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.